Three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Stoned Apes Podcast. And it is the Reverend back. And we are still in Vegas at the Military Influencers Conference. And I am joined today. This is going to be a very unique episode. This is going to be a dual aired episode on both of our platforms. But I am joined today by Mr. Dave Morrow. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, buddy. I'm doing really good, man. Yeah. This is really cool to be on the show. Would Thanks. you like to do a quick introduction and tell the people who you are and why we're doing a dual episode? No, I'm all right, man. I'll just, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Uh, this is, uh, I guess, part of uh, my dream job, which is uh, always kind of been lurking in the back of my mind, which is to talk about fitness, hang out with cool people, and travel all over the world to do it. So that's kind of big picture of what I'm up to. But ultimately, I'm trying to help 100,000 veterans lose 2 million pounds. And I'm doing it through coaching, podcasting, and authoring. That is awesome. And you have the Hard to Kill podcast, correct? And uh, your tagline is train hard and fight easy. Fight easy, yeah. I I love that. So you're you're pretty steeped in the, or steeped in the CrossFit world? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I started out in that space and it's still kind of held on as kind of what I do in the fitness space. But I would say it was a great baseline for me. I only found out about CrossFit before deploying, right? And it was something that I used in order to get my ass fit before deploying to Afghanistan. I didn't really know anything about it until then. And then I just kind of became what I like to do. And then a lot of it was translated into my coaching methods. But I'm definitely not aligned with kind of where they're at now. But man, did I learn a lot during that time frame where I was like reading the CrossFit journal, watching all the CrossFit games, and the cool thing is I've had actual like CrossFit Games champions on my podcast, which blew my mind because to me, they're they're like my idols, right? Like Jason Kalipa, I just had him on a few weeks ago. Insane, right? And um, just to be able to talk to those high performers has been really cool. Um, but ultimately, I just, I like getting veterans fit. And however that takes place, whether it's CrossFit or, you know, any other modality, that's that's my game. That's my game. That's my jam. That's awesome. Well, that's so important to the mental health, right? Not just physical, but the mental health of individuals. And, you know, I've listened to your show a few times and you've talked about that, you know, your transition to it. And so we'll get into that here in a minute. But uh, you are Canada's number two military podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You say that so bitterly. You're like number one, really, though, because what you said, it was the Canadian army that's ahead of you. Oh, man. I'm so yeah. I don't know if I'm bitter about it, but (laughs) <laughs> they, so there's, I mean, I don't know if you, if you check this out, but there's a lot of services out there that rank podcasts, right? Canadian podcasts, there's not that many. And the, in the military space, I can basically name them all for you right now. They're all my buddies. I've been on their shows. They've been on mine. And then I got an email. It was just a cold email from this service provider that said, Hey, just wanted to show you that you're number two in Canada for military podcasts. And I go, Oh, cool. Who's number one? And I saw it was the Army podcast, which comes out of the, the school, right? So it's 100% through the Army. And they just got to leverage their network, their their followers from literally the Canadian Army. But they don't publish any content. They publish like one episode every three months. They're not pumping out episodes. You know, they don't have the network. So I was, uh, was kind of, I wasn't taken aback by it, but it was just one of those things that, man, they're not doing the content that we're doing here. They're not putting out the good content and, ch- and chatting with uh, a lot of the influencers I'm talking with. So I took that as a win. I took that as a win. Um, but I did win. So this was uh, 2022. So last year I won the uh, best army veteran podcast. 
Um, and that was thanks to uh, Travis Johnson, who's here. So he put on this competition, and I was the only Canadian that applied. So I was pretty stoked about that. That was that was really cool because there were some really heavy hitters that I'd been on their shows too, and I knew they were good, and I didn't really think that I was going to pull through and, and, and get the win on that. But that was really cool, and that's just kind of – you know, my journey. So, uh, okay. to hear, so, right? so now I feel a little bit better. So, so <laughs> I go to your website and, uh, the, before I even really got a chance to meet you. And then it says on your website, best army veteran podcast out there. And I'm like, Oh, that's a bold statement. That's yeah. like, I've never heard of this guy. How's like that possible? World's best cup of coffee. <laughs> They got you. So, but you actually won this title. I freaking won it, man. Yeah, so I, should, I should carry. I should carry around the award I have at home. I right? would one hundred percent. Yeah, it would yeah. be like on my car. It's I big. just blew it in the back. Yeah, it's big. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, so it's it, it's in the back of my podcast episodes. But it was uh, it was one of those things. It was like a stamp of kind of hey, you're doing you're doing good work. Keep it up, and to go toe to toe with a bunch of American podcasts. I mean, I've got a lot of insecurity when it comes to like the Canadian American thing. Yeah, well, I, I did, I, uh, until I met Ryan, I didn't even know Canada had a military. Yeah, no, I know. So I was just like, oh, yeah, shit, there's a military over there, too. Yeah. Uh, so it, I'd say that kind of facetiously, but actually, really, it's not something that I'd ever considered. This no. whole idea of global veteran support wasn't really a thing. When I thought of veteran in, in my brain space, it was American veteran. America, yeah. I wasn't thinking of Colombia or Europe or Canada or mm -hmm. all this other stuff. And then I thought, man... What a great point. You guys are right. Like veterans are veterans, mm -hmm. you know, and, and uh, so, yeah, it, uh, it actually was a new way of thinking for me. And then to find out like uh, how involved the Canadian Special Forces are and how involved, you know, uh, like when you shot that uh, and we'll come back and we'll talk about this later because I stole one of your guests. I got a I, uh, I listened to the podcast. <laughs> Which one? Which one? Tobias. Oh, Miller. yeah, yeah, Dude. yeah, yeah. OK, so I got to commend you. Like it's it's not every day I share a podcast on my own platform. But that particular podcast was absolutely my favorite podcast that I've listened to of yours because Tobias did such a fantastic job of communicating. There's a lot of things in the plant medicine space that uh, you think about when you're having these conversations. And it's, and it's undoubtedly every time I always miss something, right? Mm -hmm. And he had just managed to hit all of those little key points that I always want to make sure that I touch on. And he did that in one episode. And then he had this beautiful real world, like down to earth explanation to it. You know, a lot of people, myself included, sometimes I think I get a little too elevated in my, in my thought processes there and I don't bring it back down to the earth, you know, because there's a lot of people that haven't set with the medicine, so they don't know. And mm -hmm. so he did a really good job of just communicating that for where it would be generally consumable to everyone. And uh, man, I thought, what a great show. So I'm actually driving back from Kansas City. <clears throat> You know, I'm looking for something to listen to. It's a four-hour drive. And uh, I, I, so I go check my regular podcast. I, I follow you and like a handful of others. And so I'm just always looking for new content. Like what looks interesting? And I've seen that episode and I listen to it. And so I stop in Kingdom City and I'm at a gas station. And I, by the time I got through the podcast, I was like, oh, I love this. So I messaged Tobias and nice. I was like, I just sent him an Instagram message, like, listen to you, Dave Moreau's show. Like, I know Dave, yeah. like, you should contact me. Within, like, 15 minutes, he was like, hey, what's going on? Like, absolutely going to talk to you. And so I uh, ended up getting hooked up with him. And, yeah, I got him scheduled on the show here in a couple of weeks. Awesome. And uh, so, uh, and then to find out, so he hooks me up with his plant medicine guy that's in Mexico. Dave. And, yeah, Dave. Yeah. And, and Amazing. So, I've had him on, too. Yeah. I So I really, I hadn't even reached out to him yet. 
and uh, I meet Ryan and Carlos yesterday, and I, I sit down. They're like, oh, hey, by the way, we're talking to this guy out of Mexico. And I was like, oh, I know who you're talking about. So they had already made the introduction, and uh, so I'm going to have them go ahead and make the introduction to me. But then mm-hmm. when uh, we get done shooting their episode, uh, I get on my Instagram, and that Dr. David would follow the podcast and already started liking some of our content. So he has gotten the word. And uh, man, I thought, what a cool world this is. It, it's so cool how everything just uniquely comes together. And, you know, there's three pieces of a puzzle moving there. And not one of them are where the other one is happening. And yet it's all interconnected and it's all purposeful and it all opens the doors and it makes things happen. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, you know, once you find your way to the frequency, it's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned frequencies. I was just going to say energies, right? Like yeah. the, the universal, and I'm going to get a little bit esoteric here, but the, you know, the universal frequencies and like tapping into the right energy up until a few years ago, I, I thought that was just all bullshit. I just thought you know, that's hippie shit. I don't. Yeah, that's, that's, you, you were a teacher of science. I was a yeah science and math teacher. Oh yeah, science and math teacher. So yeah, I was. So the the way kind of things shake out in Canada, right? Like I was a reservist. It's a little bit different than reservists here. The the way that the structure is, it's a regimental system. So you you join up, you're part of a unit. Technically, it's a battalion, but it's not really. It's you might have a platoon or two of, of soldiers, and then um, we kind of do our own thing. Like if we want to go deploy, like we ask to get deployed, stuff like that. So through all that training and everything, I was still going to school. So I got my, you know, bachelor's in science, bachelor's in education. My, my goal was I was just going to be a teacher, you know? So when I got back from deployment, I didn't know what to do with my life. I was kind of sitting on my girlfriend's couch on unemployment insurance because I was reserved. I don't have any battalion to go back to. And I said, okay, well, I guess I'll go back to teaching. So I taught for about six years. Um, and then, you know, that kind of all fell apart because I just, I wasn't in the right spot. I wasn't doing what I was supposed to. And so that's how I got into podcasting and writing books and everything like that. But I'm still in the teaching space because I love teaching. I even got my master's in it because that was just how I kind of got into things. So, yeah, I mean, like talking about the energies and stuff like that, the, the, the frequencies for me teaching, like it was like it was work for me to go to work. And that was just, you know, that that every day was just weighing on me. And now I get up every day and I'm just fired up. And so you know you're in the right spot when you can just get up and, and do your thing and you're excited to do your thing. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can Dude, see it. I can I, see it. You know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> this is actually interesting. And this is not something I have told my listeners yet. So this will be a kind of a reveal moment. So uh, prior to this, this, this event that's happening right now, in fact, may even be this episode. We're almost to the year to the day at this point. Uh, last year, 2022 in November, I went to Las Vegas for the HR block national convention and I had owned five HR block offices, uh, throughout Southeast Missouri. And so I was an accountant by trade and I'm an enrolled agent. And then, um, I, I have a lot of education as well. I, I took education all the way through my PhD. Uh, I don't have a PhD, but I'm all but dissertation. So, uh, I did my three years of class sitting at Walden university and um, so I teach at college and I do a bunch of other stuff, but uh, I actually ended up selling my business and uh, I'm about uh, two weeks or so from closing on that. Um, HR by corporate came back uh, about uh, two months ago and they were like, Hey, you know, we're going to, we'd like to buy your franchise. I thought, well, that doesn't happen and make an offer. And then they did. And I was like, Oh, that's a good offer. It's like, we should just do that. And, uh, but that allowed me to transition into this full time. So a year to the day, complete full circle. 
Uh, I just had HR on Block National Convention in Kansas City a week ago, so they didn't come back to Vegas. And so a year to the day, I'm back in Vegas now, but I'm back in Vegas for the Military Influencers Conference, which is now my new life. Wow. And it's full circle. Just one year. And, and the reason why I'm telling that story, which is what's so cool about it, is yesterday we put in a ridiculously long day. You know, we drove 30 hours to get here. Um a lot of that was because we had to stop in the desert and go four wheeling and shit. So like, you know, I mean, right. it, we probably could have made it a little quicker, right. but we took detours, uh, you know? Uh, so it's like, I see the desert and I'm like, Hey, I gotta go get high. And so we left, <laughs> it's like drive over scary shit and get high. Right. Like that's what we do. Um, so we get in, we're dead tired. Everybody was like, Hey, let's meet up. And I was like, no, let's not like, I'm going to sleep. And so we wake up the next day at like nine in the morning or earlier, I think we were downstairs by nine, weren't we? I mean, mm. it was it, for us. That's early. I'm not. I don't function before eleven. That's why I sent you the message today, and I was like, "We're going to meet up at like eleven. Like, fuck right this." Okay. And uh, so I start work unnaturally early, and then we worked last night until about one in the morning, like legitimate. The Shoot, whole day was God. work, right? Yeah. I way more than what I did last year at National Convention for H and R Block, which felt exhausting. Mm-hmm. I did, you know, six, seven hours with the meetings and, and whatever. And like you get to the end of it and you're just like, oh, fuck me. I am so beat. Like, I'm ready to go have fun. But this time, like the fun, the experience was the job. Mm-hmm. So everything that we did the whole day, I never stopped having fun. But I worked my ass off the whole day. Get 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, we come back up to the hotel. And I was like, that was work. Like, that was a work day like an actual work day and we just crushed it and I had a fucking blast. Yeah. And I thought, man, this whole like doing what you love thing. Yeah. Do what you love and you never work a day, another day in your life kind of mantra. Like that's It's so real. Yeah. Like any other career, any other thing I would have ever done, I would have been like, fuck that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I would have finished that day and been, you know, what a waste of day in Vegas. Not even a little bit. Yeah. The, the people that you get to meet doing this, uh, individuals like yourself, individuals like Ryan and Carlos, you know, we're going to go see them here in a minute. And, uh, you know, being able to be around these people every day and to network and to talk and to be able to share your experiences and stories and the influence. And everybody is so uniquely aligned in their own mission, right? And, and to hear and to feel the passion that everybody has for the missions that they do, whether it be Grunt Style Foundation or Operation Purify or all the other guests that I've had, you know, you know, all the way down to the owners of their own businesses, they're passionate about what they're doing. And then they bring that into your world. And it's like, oh, man, it's just an energy thing. You, we talk about the frequency. You're just on it. Yep. And you just ride it together. Yeah. Well, that was one of the, you know, I really pushed out the military when I got back and I, I got released from the military kind of unceremoniously. Like I, I, got, I was, I was banged up physically. I didn't realize I was banged up psychologically as well. I just got back after it. I got into teaching and I was just living my life, got married, kids, house, just, okay, I got my life now. Like, don't bother me anymore. But uh, I did realize that there was something missing. Like there was part of my life that was just gone now. And I didn't want to address it. And so once I started getting back into it, I realized, oh man, this was a gaping hole that finally now is being filled. And, you know, you, you are your network. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you realize the people you hang out with are, you know, you're the, the aggregate of those individuals, then your whole life changes. Cause then there's individuals that you may re- recognize like they're not good for you, man. Um, and there's, you know, amazing people in this space. And that's why, you know, linking up with folks like yourself, 
you know, Will, the guys from Grunt Style, you know, Ryan and all the guys you're talking about, these guys never would have been on my radar had I just put my head down and, and kept on teaching. And that's where I'm, I'm thankful that I had that kind of break. Uh, I, had a, I had a really rough patch. But I see, you know, things like PTSD, depression, all those things. I see them from the framework of this is your body, this is your mind saying you, you need to fucking change, dude. There's a serious thing that's going wrong here. You need to change or you're going to die. So fix it. And I did. You know, it was brutal. It sucked. You know, I left a career. I had a pension. You know, like all the things that everybody typically says, like, why are you leaving your job? You're going to start a company? It's probably going to fail. You have a family. What are you doing? And I just said, fuck you, basically, to everybody. Not like literally, but... And I couldn't be more thankful for having the faith in myself to go ahead and do it. And, you know, who was doing podcasts? Even four years... Even now, podcasting is still not a big thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very... It's a big market that's starting to get quickly saturated, but there is such a varying degree of people. I think that th those out there in the community that are doing it for the pursuit of full time, like this is mm -hmm. what we're doing now, is actually pretty small. Oh, there, that's man. that's not a huge network of millions of shows. Like the the other shows that are out there are very hobby and platform, but the uh, the handful of us that it's like you know made the decision like like we did, it's like sell the business and just jump in both feet. Like, yeah. This is what we do. People ask me, you know, what are you going to do after after the sale? Like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. Like, that's it. This is the leap of faith. Like, everything I've got, both feet, let's do it. Yeah. Like, we're going to ride this train until it's over. Well, I mean, it, you know, there's there's a lot of things working in, say, our favor right now because we're at that, we're kind of at that inflection point now where you're seeing the shift in the economy. Um, and the best you know, saying I have is attention is the new oil. Mm -hmm. The more influence you can acquire over time, that puts you way ahead of the game when it comes to like economic influence. Um, and I saw this as a means because I, I didn't see anything in the, in the like health and fitness space. I was dealing with just veteran and military members health issues. You know, there was ones that are on transition. There are ones that are on warfare. There are ones, but I wanted to bring on doctors and experts that, could talk to us in the manner that we would understand back pain, knee pain, mental health issues. Okay. But not necessarily from just a veteran perspective or a military perspective from just a, a general perspective with the expert that knows exactly what they're talking about. I couldn't find that because I needed the help. That's essentially what I was looking for. I was like, man, I need the help. How do I get this for free? So I, you know, I was, I was just talking to you guys before one of my biggest influencers personally getting better was Kelly Starrett. I don't know if you know who that is, but no, I don't. He's, uh, he wrote, he's written a ton of New York Times bestseller books. So shout out to K-Star. Awesome dude. Um, he's been on my podcast twice. The first time I, re I reached out to him, I had what, 10 episodes in the can and he was on my buddy's podcast and we were both teachers together. And I asked him, dude, you just had Kelly Starrett on your podcast. How's that possible? This guy's enormous. He's got like five New York Times bestselling books. He's the supple leopard. This doesn't make any sense. He's like, dude, just send me an email. Here, I'll, 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 I'll intro you guys. And then within like a week, he's like, oh yeah, dude, I'll get on your podcast. Yeah, I, lo I love talking to veterans. Like, let's let's do this. And so I fanboyed hard. Like my voice cracked. I was, I, <laughs> everything was so, I, I, I look back at the video. It was like three years ago and I could see my eyes were beaming, you know, I was like, oh my God. And then he, we just had a regular conversation. Since then we've had, you know, another conversation and we, you know, we text every now and then. That's all to say that, you know, the connections you make through podcasting, if you want to grow anything. And for me, it's growing the movement around fitness and health in the veteran space. Cause I think it's just that it's one of the elements that's missing in the, in the conversation um, where, you know, we look at mental health as, well, you gotta sit down with your therapist. You gotta talk it out. You got, 
Okay. Yeah. I, I, I see, I see value in that, but I also see it from a very holistic approach that if you're not physically fit, you know, if you're looking at Maslow's pyramids needs, you're, you're missing a big part of that. Your brain can't function if you're not fit. We're not going out and getting some sun, you know, just a bare minimum mm-hmm. going outside for a walk. You know, that's why we're, we're, you know, we're building an app, you know, we're building that voluntold app. These are things that just don't exist in our space right now. And I'm just hoping to bring a lot of light to it through podcasting and, and writing books. So I definitely see the, for myself anyways, the, the shift, the pivot from my actual coaching consulting side to the media side because that's where the influence really grows. And, you know, I got a new book uh, coming out next year. So the book deal, like that was totally unexpected, totally random again, because of podcasting had a, you know, publisher reach out to me like, Hey, you got another book, uh, like in the can. I was like, actually I wrote a book based off my podcast, but I just kept it on my hard drive. Cause I'm like, nobody's going to want to read this. He's like, people are going to absolutely want to read this, bro. Let's get this up and running. So things like that have all just kind of snowballed. And now I'm sitting here in Vegas talking to you which is surreal when i think about it so i have to take moments to just kind of let it soak in that hey man like clearly i'm doing something right or else i wouldn't be here right and that's uh that's been the coolest thing so far yeah i relate to so much of what you just said and and i think that's actually a i think we can move into the the fitness side of the platform um because uh obviously that's what you do and i think that's something that we haven't talked about enough on this show Mm. um you know i think that a lot of people we get so into the mental health side of it and we get so into the like, okay, let's heal your mental health. Let's hear your trauma, your PTSD and all this stuff. You know, we talk about personal development as being a lifelong journey and all that stuff, but it really is about the balance, right? It's mind, body, spirit. And I see so many people in this space that they're not focusing on the body and they don't realize like, you know, that's why we did the hormone regulation episode. It's like, hormone regulation is key to making sure that you have the hormones and the chemicals necessary so that you're producing the right amount of serotonin you're producing the right amount of dopamine and all of these things that are important for how you feel your mood Mm -hmm. right and that is through your nutrition that is through your physical exercise you know how active are you and that is also those other modalities that we don't talk about a whole lot whether it be yoga whether it be you know other spiritual application methods that are physical based but that is a a big part of the I want to be healthy movement. And we we have to start focusing on that. Because if you're not physically fit, if you don't have the ability to move, you know, I talked about this. Uh, I think maybe I mentioned this on the Ryan episode. I was really high for that episode. <laughs> so that was, was that was yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, they were like, let's go get high. And I was like, right. Yeah, it sounds good, that, bro. That sounds great. Yeah. And so uh, yeah, it was stupid high. So it may have been that episode, or it was just something attached to some period of time <laughs> that was in that space. <laughs> but uh, you know, we had we had talked about how you start from the physical space. Mm-hmm. And then you work your way into getting that shipped away. And then you find your your own holistic uh, pathway, whether it be like getting, you know, I couldn't even tie my shoes. You know, when I first met my wife, I was you know, three and a half years ago. I had all of this powerlifting background, martial arts background and all this, but I was terribly inflexible. Mm-hmm. I had no mobility at all. Sure, I could squat 400 pounds, but I couldn't bend over my own gut and tie my shoes. Yeah, like the functionality yeah, wasn't there. Yeah, it was not functional at all. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, and I would watch her start to move, and she was the one that really opened up my eyes to movement because she has full movement. She can be sitting Indian style and just stand up 
and she can have things in her hands and just sit down and she can just like have things in her hand. My favorite thing that she does at the house. In fact, one of my uh, listeners called me out on this. They were like, bullshit. There's no way I'd have to see it. And what she will do, she'll be cleaning the house and we have these uh, kitchen counters that go up to these shelves and she will take stuff in her hands and she will at five foot by two or four, babe, five foot four. She's a little taller and I give her credit for her. That's important. Those two inches. Two inches it's matters. Important. It's important. It's important. Uh, but uh, she will climb up on our counters and then like put stuff on the shelves. And then she will take something off the shelf, turn around. And there's only about an eight inch space between the shelves and the counter. And then she will squat all the way down to her ass, sit on the counter, slide her feet off, get on the floor and like walk away with no effort at all. Mm-hmm. It's just like monkey movement. Yeah. And monkey movement. I'm like, this is how our bodies are supposed to do. I'm supposed to be able to do that. Yep. Like, I can't even think about the concept of trying to do that. I, first off, I would have dropped and broke everything. Got to start with Tupperware first. Yeah. And, and you know, to be able to squat down on the corner of something to the point that your butt hits the ground mm-hmm. and then have the flexibility left in your legs to be able to let your legs move comfortably off of that space and then drop below you. And to do that smoothly, um, man, to me, that's way more impressive than squatting 400 pounds. Oh, well, dude, that's, um, so to reference Kelly start again, like his, his baseline standard for mobility is the 10 minute, I call it the Afghan squat, but you just get into a squat and can you hold it for 10 minutes? So I've, I've, I've just modified that with myself and like folks I'm working with. Can you just do it for two minutes? Mm-hmm. Odds are you can't do it for 30 seconds. Your hips, back, everything is just good. You're going to be in too much pain. So how do you build up to that? You got to do it every day. And so that was one, that was one of the only things I did for months. Once I learned that and it took away my back pain. You know, it was just, and it's just something as simple as that. And I was just hanging out with uh, an Afghan family that finally got over here um, after two years of of, of working to get them here. And so we had a big feast and they were like, oh, this is amazing. And like mom's coming out with the food, right? And there's no tables, there's no chairs. We're on the floor, Afghan style. And she's squatting with a platter like this and just full on squat, placing it down, chatting with us. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 And she's what? 62. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know a single 62-year-old here anyways that could do that. So, you know, it goes to show, right? Like, that's how they live. They And they don't sit on chairs. So all those things just, uh, you know, sure, they had a rough life when they were over there. But their mobility, through the roof. Right. Know? Well, and that's what and that's what my wife had really pitched to me was, she's like, you're not even 40 years old. Because at that time, I think I was 39. She's like, you can't even tie your shoes. She's like, how are you going to be functioning when you're 70 and 80? Like yeah. you, you're going to be crippled. Like, how are you going to be hiking? And and she was really very adamant at the beginning of our relationship. She had told me, she was like, look, I'm going to be hiking in my eighties and you're either going to be with me or not like yeah. period. Cause she's like, I'm not going to stop doing shit because you can't. So like you either got to fix it or don't. And so I started looking around and I started looking at, uh, elderly people, uh, senior people. And I was like, Oh, you're right. Like that's what's really hurting them more than anything is their lack of ability to move. Oh, well they have no mobility. Yeah. And then it really like, so I started focusing on that in my life in a, so I did something I'd like to get your opinion on. Sure. So I quit lifting weights completely about a year ago. I don't touch weights, not because I think they're bad because I think for me until I get my mobility in the space of monkey mobility here, then I need to really be able to, uh, I need to focus on that because I don't need to be any stronger at this moment. Mm-hmm. I need to be more mobile. 
I need to be more flexible. I need to have a better suspension. And so what I started doing is uh, I, I had found this guy. I'm, I don't, I'll probably put a link into the show description because I don't remember his name and I think he deserves credit for this. But he runs a uh, parkour gym, I think out of Colorado. And what he has his people do is he has a series of movements that you have to do before you're even allowed to get under a bar and do squats. And so what he does is he, uh, they, they start off and I know this doesn't sound like something that you would put in there, but hangs, right? So apparently the, the back strength and the lat stretching and everything, Grip he, yeah, he makes you do hangs, right? So mm-hmm. this is a huge part of his platform. And then once you do your hangs, then you go into uh, he does a horse stance, and then he'll do that for time, and then he'll do an Asian squat for time. And so he has a benchmark. You have to be able to do a horse stance, I think, to hold it for like five minutes. you got to be able to go into a full Asian squat with your hands above your head, straight mm-hmm. above your head, and hold that for like 15 to 25 minutes. Oh, shit. Okay. And, and then he does this modified movement to where he does Asian squat jumps. So they go around this gym place, and they... They go down into an Asian squat, and then they do basically plyometric-style jumps where they jump from Asian squat to Asian squat position all the way around this building. And and I think he said you have to be able to do like 100 reps, okay, before you're even allowed to put weight on a bar and do a squat. Mm-hmm. But he had biggest thing that he had talked about was like when you come off these walls and you land, it's your ability to absorb these movements to be able to have that mobility, that's what keeps you from being injured. Yeah. And then it doesn't matter how strong you are, that if you don't have the strength in these bottom portions of the movement that you're ultimately going to be injured. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've been working on that. That has been like the premise of my fitness. And uh, I agree with you. Like, I'm, I'm shit at it. Like, when I started the horse <laughs> stance, I was like, five minutes, great. Like, 45 seconds later. No. You're done. And then the one that you're supposed to be able to hold the longest is actually the hardest for me, the Asian squat. Mm-hmm. And I understand now, now that I can get into the position better, I understand how it can be held for so long. Because once you get the mobility, you're not straining to hold the position. That's right. So then it's a comfort. Um, but my problem is I have to work so hard against my own body just to force myself, you know. Yeah. A hundred pounds of force is going into putting my ass in that spot. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is like, hey, you got to hold that for time, you know? And so I've got my Asian squad up to where I can hold it to maybe probably two minutes on a really good day. I'm only saying that because I want to sound cool. Um, <laughs> we but, can do it right. We can do it right now. No, we don't. Like, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. Uh, but, uh, you we know, do the rest of the show in the Asian squad position. How about that? Yeah. It'd be a short, short <laughs> podcast. Uh, but uh, yeah, no. Um, so those things are. Yeah. So what's your thoughts and feelings on that? Yeah, you know, I, I, I gave him my book, uh, The Nimble Warrior, because that was the, the step-by-step process that I had to do in order to get myself mobile again. I was in so much pain, I couldn't get out of bed. I, got, I couldn't take care of my kid. I couldn't provide for my family. I was taking time off work. I knew I had to change. So that was the moment where I said, okay, well, there's got to be a way. I can't just be broken. I, I won't accept that. I was like 34 or 35 at the time. And just like you said, what am I going to do when I'm 70 and 80? What am I going to do even just like near future when well, I'm going to be at the park and then all of a sudden my back locks up and now I can't take care of my toddler? What do I do? So I just basically from a place of fear realized I need to get on the horse and, and start making start making changes. Um, so in, in terms of, yeah, uh, what do you need to do in order to be mobile and, and flexible? Um, you know, it, it's doing the things that we're talking about there. The, the simple things that don't require any equipment, don't require anything that uh, requires any kind of technical skill. But 
consistently doing it and accepting the fact that it's going to take freaking years. You know, how many years were you powerlifting? No, right. uh, many. Yeah, many. exactly. And then you're going to do like a month or two of mobility training and be like, man, I'm not, I'm not any better. Well, yeah, you took maybe a decade plus of lifting and you got good at it. And now you've done two months and you go, man, I'm shit at this. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, like it's just that your, 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 your expectations just aren't matching your reality. So, you know, that was, that was me. You know, I, I just, I kind of dissolved my ego as best as I could. I got a coach too, which really helped. Still with him today. Shout out to LP. He's freaking, yeah, he's one of the reasons why I'm walking today. And just did the work. And a lot of it was self myofascial release. But the reason why, especially with a lot of the, a lot of the fellows that I coach, I focus on movement and, and just doing basic things well is because, like you said, the sheer forces that you're going to experience, let's say on your knees and your elbows and your shoulders over a long period of time, especially if you're doing heavy weight and you still think, oh, I'm going to do more heavy weight, you know, when I'm older without the requisite mobility, it's going to catch up with you. It's going to catch mm -hmm. up with you. And then what do you want to do in your seventies and eighties? Do you want to go grip and rip a barbell? I say, I think you should, but ultimately you're going to want to do a lot of, maybe you want to travel. Maybe you want to go to Rome. Maybe you want, well, you're going to have to climb some stairs. You're going to have to maybe climb up a little hill. Well, if your knees are so messed up that you can't do it, if your back is so messed up that you can't do it, you're going to miss out on so much of that last phase of your life. And that's where a lot of my stuff focuses on longevity as opposed to just pure animal strength. Um, there's a, you know, there's a very important component to being strong, but I like using minimal effective dose. You know, what does a guy need to do in order to stay strong? Essentially, you just need one heavy session a week, like a five by five, even, not even technically, just holding heavy shit in your hands. Yeah. Farmer's walk Farmer's is one of my walks. favorite things to do. You will maintain so much strength just by doing that once a week. And then the rest can be calisthenics, hangs. I love hangs. So a big part of what I do for one of my programs is uh, that that's my baseline. How long can you hang? If you can do two minutes, that's cool. That's like the baseline. Um, can you do a 400 meter farmer's walk with 30% of your body weight in each hand? You know, awesome. If you know how many times do you have to put it down, you know, to record how long that takes. Uh, 40 push-ups. Uh, there's been a really good study in the states with firefighters, and they they were able to correlate that. Um, if you had the ability to do 40 push-ups consecutively, you had significantly lower rates of cardiovascular disease. Really interesting. Um, and then legs. Really? Yeah. 40? 40 consecutive. But this, the, the, it's interesting because the study can't really outline why. You know, that's so important. But the conclusions are essentially, well, if you're able to do 40 push-ups, that means you're doing a lot of things right. Because that's not something that the average North American dude can do just like that. Because it takes a, a lot of strength and endurance to be able to do that. So that means you've been keeping up really over the, over the years. I wouldn't think that 40 push-ups was that hard. 40 push-ups is, if, you know, we could do it like today. We can go down to the casino and take a random sample of guys be like, all right, how many push-ups can you do consecutively? 40 push-ups will, there, there might be 10% that could do that. See, I think for me, um, the hangs and the pull-ups were much more difficult. You know, I had such oh, yeah. an overdeveloped chest and shoulders. And mm -hmm. uh, so a real big part of me doing the hangs is to open up my lats and to get my, um, what is that called in the back? The scap, the scapula. Yeah, yeah. To get my scapula. Because they're, they're not open. Yeah. Right? So you're under so much tension just yeah. to get you in that position. If you notice when I stand straight, 
Like if I just put my arms at my side, my thumb kind of rotates still. Oh yeah, you got a, a ton of bit in, internal rotation, yes, right? Yeah. The, te- the test is simple. You just open up your hands when you're standing. So if your thumbs touch your, th- your your legs, you know you've got way too much internal rotation. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah when if you're tracking so, that, that's a, that's important. Yeah, that's that was my biggest thing because at the beginning it was almost like, uh, you know, if your thumb being straight is twelve o'clock, I was probably more like six. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I was fully rotated over. Yeah. And so even though I had a what I would consider to be probably an overdeveloped back. Um, but I'm so overdeveloped in the front and it's kind of funny because, um, because you're so tight, the muscle actually looks smaller. Yeah. And so, uh, one of the benefits that I've seen since I've started working on flexibility is I'm actually getting bigger, but I'm not getting any bigger and I'm not getting any stronger. I'm not working on lifting heavier weights. So it's like, can I bench any more than 250? Probably not. But the difference is, is I'm getting stronger in better ranges of motion. Yep. So I'm able to do things like, you know, especially with yoga, you know, I can hold different, like, you know, downward dog and some different. Mm-hmm. So like I did a handstand the other day, like actually free on the wall or free? All, no free, like nice. didn't have to use the wall for the first time nice. and held it And but it's, that wasn't a strength gain. It was a mobility gain, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm starting to realize that I'm getting into some of these spaces to where that is. And then the side effect has been is my chest looks bigger. Yeah. My shoulders look bigger as they start to rotate back because I get wider, yeah. but I'm not putting on any muscle. Yeah. It's just like my body is opening up that those chest muscles aren't that tight ball anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's so like, you know, somebody could have really sold me on mobility training if they would have just been like, you'll get bigger. The weight pain thing, ah, but dude, you're gonna look swole. Oh yeah, really? Okay, uh, sign cool. me I'm up. In. Let's in. go. <laughs> Play on that ego. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. It's well, you know, that's the thing that um. So I have a one of our fans uh, that's made the biggest transformation. His name is Smoke, and when he first came to the podcast, he was 265 pounds. He sent me a photo the other day. He's like 190 pounds. Wow. His uh his family has lost a collective of like 200 pounds Amazing. because they all just went all in. He's one of those personality types, though. He's like us. Like he doesn't do anything half ass. So he went full steam ahead and just dropped in. And um, one of the things that I told him from the beginning, it was like, because he had in his head of what he was going to look like at his goal weight. And I said, just throw that out because I had no clue what I was going to look like. I thought I was about 220 something pounds. Oh, shoot. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, were, you look like the Hulk then. No, I was fat. <laughs> I was super fat. I was in my third trimester for like 10 years. <laughs> like I look like a power lifter. Like that's what I did. I was very unhealthy. Um, I didn't have a lot of muscle definition. I was a big guy, yep. maybe even a little bit bigger than I am now, muscle wise. Um, but it was all hidden under lots and lots of fat. I looked very unathletic and, uh, was very unathletic to be fair. Um, and so I thought when I started my weight loss journey, I thought I want to get down to about 195 pounds. Cause I don't want to be too small, especially with fighting. I didn't want to be easily thrown around and moved around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I felt like for a guy being as close to 200 pounds that I could be would be best. And then, um, I thought I'd look a little bit like Joe Rogan. He's about the same size and height, about 190 pounds. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm probably going to be close to that because, uh, my co-host, uh, the captain had a, a chance to meet Joe Rogan in person once. And he actually said that Joe Rogan was kind of like my doppelganger. Like he said, he's like the same height and relative proportion and build. So I'm really looking forward to meeting Joe one day to see like how close that is. But what really surprised me is I'm 170 pounds now. Mm-hmm. I am 25 pounds lighter than what I thought I was going to be. But I feel like I look bigger 
than what I thought I would have looked at at 195 pounds. Mm. So my perception of what I thought it was going to be versus what I am now at my per current level, you know, I said, uh, I'm at about 13% body fat right now. I put on a little weight here lately. We're not going to talk about that. Um, probably put a little bit more in the next few days here too. E- yeah. Ebb and flows, yeah. ebb and flows, right? You got to have grace with yourself. Like mm-hmm. it's nothing I don't know how to fix. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, uh, but I am definitely look way different. Like now when I think of Joe Rogan, 195 pounds at my height, 25 pounds bigger than me. Now I'm like, oh, Joe's a huge monster, dude. Yeah. Like, okay, I don't look anything like Joe, probably. He's probably 25 pounds bigger than I am. I thought I was 195 because I was fat. Yeah. I didn't realize I was only 170 pounds lean and probably could be, honestly, like I said, I'm 13% body fat. So if I got down to the the 8% range where I really want to be, I'd like to walk around between 6 and 8 um, I'm probably a 160 pound guy. Like that isn't big and all in the world, but like from a fighting standpoint, we could talk about jujitsu and stuff too. Uh, mm-hmm. I did a little bit of jujitsu yeah. and I'm only a blue belt and that's it's arguable good. at best. I'm, I'm, uh, a, I'm, a, I'm a zero stripe white belt. So, uh, oh, yeah. okay. okay. So you got a lot more experience than I do. Fair. I, well, you know, my, most of mine was from the mixed martial arts world. Yeah. I've had a little bit of formal training. Uh, I taught down at 10th Planet uh, Jiu-Jitsu in uh, Festus for a while in Crystal. Cool, cool, cool. Um, but I didn't do a lot of Jiu-Jitsu training. I was teaching Muay Thai. Mm. So I can't really claim that I had a lot of experience there either. I did a couple of months of salad training. And, and uh, so um, Eric is the coach down there. And I'll tell you what, uh, he is absolutely fantastic. I learned the professor is amazing. And uh, he leveled up my Jiu-Jitsu game in a couple of months, probably a few years. So I, I feel like I'm at least good enough to call myself a blue belt now, which yeah. I didn't feel that way before. Like I got promoted and didn't feel like the I inferiority it. complex. I didn't yeah, deserve it at all. Like, this. yeah, I was a blue belt, but I get my ass beat by white belts a lot, <laughs> you know? Uh, and so, but I've noticed like during jujitsu, like one of the things that she does that I really liked at the beginning was she can be in a uh, Indian sit and she can stand up. And then I thought, well, how applicable is that? How often do you find yourself on your ass with one or both of your legs tucked underneath you and you have to get up? Yep. And then I thought, oh, can I do that with somebody on my back? And so I started putting a lot of work into that. And then I finally got to where I could do it. And then it got easy. And then I felt like, oh, now I could start doing this with some, some weight. So it's like, even though I'm lighter, I feel stronger. Even though I haven't necessarily, maybe I even squat less than I did. But now I can produce, let's say, 100 pounds of force from that position that I could have never generated before. Oh yeah. I, and, that, and that's a, that's a massive difference, right? Like once you, once you have that ability to be mobile, like mobility and flexibility, right? People are like, well, what's the difference? You know, like the mobility is the ability uh, to express range of motion through a joint. Right. But flexibility is just how you can stretch a muscle. They're very different, you know, and the more mobile you are, that gives you the capacity to be more powerful through a full range of motion. So you, are able to express more power, more strength, you know? And, and so therefore like you get more force generation, hundred percent, you know, if you're restricted, well, you're not going to get that full power through your quads or full power through your hamstrings. Um, because you just don't have it. You just literally don't have it. You can't get in that position. So it makes a big difference. And that's where I, I, I shifted away from, you know, typical like military, uh, you know, I call it like mobility training was actually just flexibility training. You touch your toes, mm-hmm. pull on your ankles, cool like there's a there's a time and place for that because that, that that's great for injury prevention too right like if you can if you're going to roll your ankle if you're flexible 
cool. Like you're not, you're the likelihood of having a, a major kind of catastrophic incident or like a sprain or anything that goes down. But the more flexible you are, actually the less power you're able to express. So you have to have that right balance between power and mobility. So if you can be a little bit more mobile, 100%, that's going to help. It's going to help a lot. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, what do you, so you obviously have a lot of experience in the coaching space. For, for the listeners out there that uh, may be sitting down going, yeah, they're right. I can't tie my shoes either. <laughs> Where does somebody start? Yeah, that's, that's a great point. So a lot of the guys that I see, and this is the biggest thing, it's uh, you got to you got to check your ego. You can't you can't start anywhere unless you check that ego. Forty year old, fifty year old, a lot of you know spec ops guys, rangers, like yeah man, like I crushed it in my twenties and thirties, and now I've been out and I'm a fat slob, but I want to get back to what I was doing. So I always ask, well, why? You're a dad now. You're you know you're executive. Why do you why do you want to go do those hard workouts? What's your actual goal? You can still be fit and healthy, but you don't have to do what you used to do. That was your mission back in the day. Your mission is totally different. You got to be there for your family. You got to provide. You got to be able to you know, go to work, be functional. So checking your ego at the door has got to be the first thing and, and just accept that, hey, man, maybe you just need to start going for a walk. I know you want to go start doing those heavy workouts, but maybe we just need to get you back in the game and start working on that 30 extra pounds that has been you know hanging around your gut for the last five years. Let's start there. So just being able to establish that as kind of your your first line of i'm not gonna say defense but your your first protocol is just okay be okay with the fact that you're going to start from a very like low intensity type framework and then gradually build yourself up to where you want to go but then you need to just define your goals so that's that's essentially it and cast a vision if you want to be there for your family i'll give you an example like mine is i want to be able to sprint after my grandkids in my 70s I want to be able to just like run them down, you know, pick them up, <laughs> throw them over my shoulder and be like, ah, grandpa's coming, you know? But I know that the amount of prep and the amount of strength and the amount of flexibility, mobility that I need to have to be able to do that in my seventies is no, like it, it's no easy feat. I know I need to stay like on my game for decades. So what does that mean? Like I got to go out and do sprints. That means I, I got to stay mobile. That means I got to stay strong. And so we just, typically define that as like, what do you really want? And like you said earlier, it's, I want to go for a hike with my wife when I'm in my seventies. I want to go travel. Okay. So then that means your goals need to shift. We can still do some heavy stuff. We can still, but ultimately if that's your goal, we need to just cut out all the freaking idea that I'm going to go back to what I was doing in ranger school. I'm going to get, you know, that's done. It's great that you did that. That's in the back of your mind. That's awesome. But right now you just need to focus on the basics and typically the basics are walking every day. So 95% of North Americans don't get the bare minimum. It's 20 minutes of activity, low intensity, steady state, which is literally going for a walk. Your heart rate doesn't get above hundred beats per minute. But if you can do that for the rest of your life and they've shown about 8,000 steps is kind of like your, your benchmark. If you do mm-hmm. 8,000 steps in a day for the rest of your life, all cause, all cause mortality drops off a cliff. Chances of diabetes, being obese, just fall off a cliff. So you don't need to even hire me. You just need to literally go out and do that every freaking day. And then everything else starts to fall in line. I mean, nutrition's a big component. And then like, you know, if you want to have a little bit more performance, obviously you got to talk a little bit more about that. But ultimately it's go for a walk every day. If you can do that every day, you'll crush if you want to see it as like crushing your competition. But at a bare minimum, you'll be there for your family for statistically a longer period of time and you'll be significantly healthier so that's typically where we start and then after that it's okay let's figure out like the rest like you want to get a little bit stronger of course you want to have muscle mass muscle mass is a major predictor of longevity 
hang two minutes. If you can do that, I got that from Peter Tia. I don't know if you, you know, that. Yeah, I'm a huge Peter Tia follower. So I borrow a lot of stuff from him because he is the guy, in my opinion. Canadian too. Shout out to Canadian influencers out there. But uh, (laughs) he, uh, yeah, he's, if you just look at the the research, right, the, the overwhelming evidence is that then they use grip strength as a proxy for overall strength to live into your eighties and nineties. They were, they were just showing like, if you had like Kung Fu grip, you're going to, you're going to live a lot longer. And it's just a proxy for how much strength you have. And then basically means you have more muscle mass. So they maintained it over time. Farmers are a great example. Like they maintain a lot of their muscle mass over a long period of time. Cause even in their seventies are carrying shit that's heavy. Mm-hmm. But if you're, you know, typical North American and you're doing office work and stuff like that, you're not, you ha- you're not doing that. So you have to find a way to, to incorporate that into your life. So if you need that, if you need that structure, you need to know what you need to do and you know, what you're doing, the pieces of puzzles aren't fitting together and what you think you're doing is, is getting you there, but you're ultimately not losing weight. You're not getting stronger. You're not actually seeing the, the results that you want. Then that's where I've come in. I go, okay, well we need to look at all your habits, man. Like, and some of them is it's, it's, it's as simple as, you're working out, you're going for a walk daily, you're wa- working on your nutrition. Okay, but you haven't lost any weight. What's going on there? How's your sleep late? Like, uh, you know, I get like about like a good like four or five hours a night. Oh, okay. So I think we need to work on that, bro. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's it's like the, the these things that just pop up, you just don't know what you don't know. Um, so you just need to look at it from a holistic point of view and not just say, okay, you gotta do these three workouts a day and then you'll be good to go. You got to look at it from that whole perspective, like the individual and then what needs to be focused on more. Um, and so to say there's a cookie cutter way of doing this is not really true, but ultimately like the foundation needs to be laid, which is going for a walk, get outside, get some vitamin D and uh, yeah, get some sleep. Like, <laughs> Yeah, most of your physical issues are going to go away. And, yeah. and that's yeah. a great, man, I, you know. So me and you have never talked about fitness until like right now. Yeah, that's correct. It's actually really cool where you were at where I've been evolving to, you know, uh, and it sounds like you've been in that space a lot longer than I have, but I've realized the same things. It, we just talked about this last night as we were walking through the hotel. It's like, you know, I kind of wish this is my day-to-day life. I wish I had to walk everywhere that I went because time frame, not any different than if I was, my transportation time's the same. The only difference is I'm getting in a vehicle at home and I'm driving here and I'm driving there because everything is too far away. Time to time, though, it's the same. But mm-hmm. here I'm getting so many steps. I'm walking to this yeah. appointment. I'm walking to that appointment. I'm walking to this, you know, and I, I thought, you know, this would be a much healthier way to live 100%. and a much more enjoyable way to live uh, to be able to be active every day. And then, you know, like you said, things that I've incorporated into my fitness routine is, uh, my wife does something when she stands in line, she does like different, like toe raise exercises mm-hmm. and ankle mobility things that just are part of day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. When I work on anything that involves squatting to the ground, one of the things that I used to have to do is I have to used to go down to one knee and then I would, you know, do the like one knee up, one knee down. And that would be how anything would come up or off of the ground. Now I go down into an Asian squat and I basically frog walk around or whatever, yeah, I, you yeah. know, because it's like, well, let's increase mobility. But that becomes a workout and it's something I can do in my day to day life. I don't have to go into the gym. And then the other thing that I've also gravitated toward that you had touched on was I don't work out for extreme intensity anymore. Mm -hmm. I really Mm -hmm. am cautious about the overall stress that I put on my body. And I look at stress cumulatively now. What's going on in my work life? What's my personal life look like? Am I having issues with my kids? Like, where am I at mentally? Okay, now, can I handle this additional stress from this exercise? 
right? Because maybe going down and killing myself today isn't the best idea. Maybe I should just walk around the neighborhood. Yep. You know, but like you said, you got to check your ego at the door so that you can go, well, how did that 20 minute walk that I barely broke a sweat? Why is that exercise? hundred percent, you know, but it is, and it's very important to overall health. Yeah. Well, especially coming from, you know, I came from the army, right? And everything is go hard or go home. And then you take it another level up. You take a guy that's from the spec ops world. Well, everything you do more of is always better, right? So more PT is always better. And there's a, yeah, there's a certain truth to that. But when you start getting older, you you, you nailed it on the head. You got to reduce the intensity. The volume can go up, but the intensity and that volume has to go down. You have to really be judicious in the amount of intensity you put in during the week because we don't have the ability to recover anymore. Like we did when we were in our 20s. Like you can go smash beers after a hard workout. Next day, be back out doing a 10-mile run. You're good to go. If I were to do that now, I'm done for two weeks. I know that. I'm like, there's no way. I'm not recovering from that. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm very um, serious and I'm very, uh, like, cognizant of how much sleep I'm getting. I even, like, I use my watch as a way to kind of maintain just a, a general idea. that has, like, a body battery and, like, stress thing in it. And... Uh, I know there's all kinds of memes on uh, the internet now about like, you know, Schwarzenegger and Stallone working out in the eighties, just like giving her. And then like guys working out now in the two thousands, like, Oh, I don't know if my watch will allow me to do it, you know, but there's some truth to that. And you know, like the last few days I've been, I'm a bit raspy because I've been battling, I'm getting over pneumonia. Um, so I just haven't been recovering as fast. So I'm not, I'm not going to the gym to kill myself. Like instead of four sets, I'm doing two. I'm not going as heavy. I'm still going to the gym because I'm putting in, I'm doing the work. I'm not in, like incapacitated, but it's, it's looking at a, like a long enough time frame. So if your time horizon is three months, you're going to look at it a lot differently if it's three decades. And so if you're going three decades out, you, you can look at it from the perspective of like, well, as long as I get my 20 minutes of whatever in a day, I'm going to be so much further ahead than if I, you know, have to put in that like hour long monster session in the gym, but then I start beating myself up and then my joints hurt and then I'm less likely to go. And then performance drops off on, on all fronts. It's just being able to shift that mindset, especially as we get older and we start like entering to a new phase of our life. You just need to be able to shift with it and not keep that old mindset of, you know, go hard or go home. Um, and then just be okay with it. And then once you're there, man, you're, you're, you're set. And then you can, you know, you said it like you can, fix especially with your weight and stuff like that if it, if it starts to you know go up a little bit i know how to bring it down right right and that's that's kind of where i want to get everybody to it's not complicated but if you just don't have the right tools in your toolbox you're going to keep on running around doing the same thing and not actually getting the results you want so it's essentially just finding those tools and then just deploying them when you need them no oh, man you said that really well like there, <laughs> there's so much in there that i was just like yep 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 Okay. Yeah. You pretty much said everything that I wanted to say in that space, because I think that's what people need to realize. It's like, just start and do something. Mm -hmm. hey, we, we, I'm definitely guilty of that because powerlifting, martial arts, MMA, the military, you know, as a combat engineer. So, you know, infantry based, we worked ridiculous, stupid workouts all the time. Yeah. And I had that in my head and, and you're right. Everything was so intense. And all I got from that was a lifetime of injury, mm -hmm. which further limited my mobility. Every time I went to train, something hurt. You know, I have shoulder separations and all of these things that contributed to, you know, being over rotated and all of that stuff where now it's like, I don't train to be injured. 
I don't train to be injured at all. In fact, if I think what I'm doing is going to injure me, I just stop. Yep. And then I'm just done. I'm like, you know what? Not worth it. I don't want to wake up tomorrow nobody's, and be fucked up. Nobody's watching being like, oh, man, you really flubbed that last set, yeah. Anthony. Come on, man. You can get back in there. No, nobody. It, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. If I'm in the middle of doing an activity and I even remotely tweak something and I feel like, you know, let's say I'm doing bicep curls and I, I do, I, I'm on my third rep and I felt it. I'll just be done. I don't care how many sets, how many reps. I don't care what what I had planned. I don't care if I have another 45 minutes of that workout. I will quit. I'll do something different. I'll still go for a walk or, or whatever the case may be, but I will not push that. I'll say, you know what, one or two days from now when that's healed up, we'll come back to it again. But it isn't worth it to me to be impaired in my day-to-day life or to be in the gym in pain. Mm-hmm. Because that isn't what I'm trying to do anymore. Like you said, I don't have any performance goals. No. Now, on the flip side of that, I want to get your opinion of this because um, either you're going to help me or you're going to bury me, and I'm not sure which one yet. <laughs> um, but so she's been up my ass here lately because I don't do a lot of high intensity training, mm-hmm. other than I do one or two sessions of hit a week, usually battle ropes, just because I like the elevated heart rate. And in the short duration like that, I feel like I'm not adding too much additional stress to my life. You know, I can do my battle rope workout is 10 minutes. It's eight 30-second sessions. I do the eight by eight, right? And then so it's really easy. It's in, it's out. It's like I can go downstairs and start and finish in 10 minutes and I got elevated heart rate and I'm great. Yeah. Um, but uh, she's big on this thing right now is she's like, I want to get back into sprinting. Because Mm. she's been watching this stuff where sprinting is going to not just increase mobility. And this is how she sold me. She's like, you're going to get jacked. And I was like, yeah, pretty much every sprinter I know is jacked. And then she goes, you're going to lose visceral fat. And I was like, yeah, that's why it's so hard. (laughs) So what is your opinion of doing sprinting workouts and... When should somebody, at what point of fitness should they consider doing it? Because, or, and also, what do you recommend? Because my biggest fear going into this is hamstrings. Hamstrings and, and Achilles tendons. Yeah. Yeah. Course. Terrified. Of like, course. I don't think I've done a full sprint in yeah. a few years. Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to rip you a new one on this, but uh, your wife's absolutely right. You got to get out there and start sprinting, man. Damn it. So uh, I'll be gentle with you, though. Uh, so uh, it's interesting. So the the research shows that after age of 30, basically nobody ever sprints again for the rest of their life. So something like 1% of the population goes and does a sprint. Now, my my whole mission, my whole like raison d'etre is around hard to kill. And that, was, that came out because I, I got fired from a job. I went for like a 10K run. And then it just it was rattling around in my head. I'm like, why do I do what I do? And it's always been in the back of my mind like I stay fit I stay healthy I'm able to lift I'm able to do all these things because I want to be able to protect I also want to be able to get myself out of a situation so I want to be hard to kill and there's a you know strong influence from CrossFit and all that stuff well sprinting is one of those things can I hold a sprint for 10 seconds 20 seconds all out if I need to get the hell out of Dodge or need to save a family member and if the answer is yes okay cool I'm, does it have to be like you know uh at the level of Olympic Olympian? No, well, obviously not. How fast can I go? And it just, will the wheels fall off if I do it? And if I can maintain that, then I'm good. And so that's what I incorporate into my beast program. That's the, that's my, my flagship program. And after the first month of building up some tolerance, doing a little bit of like extra hamstring work, working on mobility, then it's a gradual ramp up. It's like, okay, 
we're only going to do one sprint today, but you're going to warm yourself up like nobody's business. You're doing four 80% sprints, okay? How does your body feel? Feel okay? Take a ton of rest. Like make sure you're fully recovered, basically. Heart rate's barely above 120. Okay, and we're only doing 10 seconds, bro. So even if it's between lamppost to lamppost, that's all you're doing, but you're giving her and you're going hard. And for the exact reasons you were saying, testosterone, through the roof, right? And it's one of those few things, it's a full body blast and you're not under tension under any load. And yeah, you, you just build in a ton of mobility. You, uh, you express a ton of testosterone afterwards and it's free. So that is hands down one of the best things that you can do once a week. That's it. Once a week, you'll, you'll build in a ton of capacity and then you can gradually increase it. So like typically what you want to do is like the 15% rule. You don't want to add more than 15% extra volume per week. So if you're doing, let's say five sprints, you know, 10% of that, you know, it's like 0.5. So like you don't want to do more than like one extra sprint a week. And then you gradually build that up at 100%. So uh, it's it's great. And then like working on some of the technique is really good too. Like if you've ever done track or anything like that, like if you can maintain a sprint, and that's like I said, that's one of my, that's one of the things I want to be able to do when I'm in my 70s and 80s. And I used to coach track as well. That's one of the things that I just want to maintain. And I just saw a really funny meme, uh, sorry, a reel on Instagram. And it was, I, I believe it was a former NFLer and he was running out onto the field and uh, it says uh, sprinting in your forties and he starts running and he's like past the 20 yard line and he's going and then he goes, oh, he pulls up, he pulls up, he's like, oh, and then like his other like, oh, he pulls up and then like he like hobbled all the way to like the 50 yard line and it was just, I was like, yeah, that's exactly what happens, man. Like you still have this mentality like, hey, I haven't sprinted in 10, 15 years, but I'm still going to be able to do it. No, you're not everything's going to blow out on you. So that's why you need to gradually build it up. And, you know, there's a lot of good ways to kind of do that without having to sprint. And one of the things like I, I have a lot of guys do is just at home do what I call a poor man's hamstring curl. So you get a towel, you lay on the ground, you lift your hips up and you just push your, your heels out and you bring them back to your butt. That is a brutal workout. And if you haven't done hamstring work like that, cause a lot of us do deadlifts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not, not the same movement pattern. Right. So I think I've been doing something similar to that with the uh, gymnastics rings. Oh, I, I put them up on the rings. Yeah, and pulling put in. my heel in and That's then kind of elevate in like a bridge. I've it's been perfect. doing quite a bit of that. Yeah, because that hamstring strength and that hamstring mobility is going to be what's, uh, you know, that that is one of the main drivers of your of your pull when you're uh, cycling through your legs. And that's what blows out. It's rarely your quad. Um, so therefore, if you're able to build in that capacity, and it's really gradual. I can't stress that enough, but you definitely need to put it in there. You definitely, okay. it's like, it's, it's no brainer. It's no brainer. Just, just give her and then build in the capacity. And then, you know, a, a typical like track session, I would have my guys do like no more than let's say 10 sprints in a, in a session. If that's what we're working on in the day, if you can work up to that, right. That's great. You know, but you definitely don't want to do more than five. And then like the first four, like really at like 70, 80%. Um, and then you'll get there, you'll get there and then you'll keep that capacity the rest of your life. Oh, dude. Well, fantastic advice. Thank you for that, because I really needed that. One of the things that um, I was really struggling with there, and I think a lot of it was ego at the door. I think a lot of it was just misunderstanding, but I didn't know how to ease my way into it. Mm -hmm. And I loved what you said there, like, dude, you know, eight, eight, you know, four 80% sprints and then just fit in one hard one. It's like, oh, you're right. I can start there. I think I can do one good full out sprint after being warmed up without damaging my hamstring. Yeah. And then you're right. I can add in a second one the next week. Like, but that gives me a place to start. And you're right. If I can check my ego at the door and not overdo it, 
now I can got a way to get back into this activity and, and be able to be healthy. And, uh, yeah, that encouraged me to want to try it more. Cause I think I have been avoiding it because I didn't want to get hurt. Yep. I didn't want to pull a hamstring or I didn't want to end up with like a knee issue or something like that. And so, you know, she's been really pushing me. She's like, we got to go, we got to go. And I've been coming up with every excuse under the book. Like yeah. you, you, I got to feed the dogs. You know? <laughs> it's like, this is a 15 minute workout. What are you, what are you avoiding? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we, we're busy all day mm-hmm. today. <laughs> yeah. And there, if there's one thing I can add to, I mean, if you, if you can, I mean, in Canada right now, it's, it's, it's getting harder cause uh, it's about to, uh, well, it did snow actually back home last night. Um, but to do it barefoot in the grass, man, there's nothing better than that, man. Like you get the ground and then you get to actually feel the contact of your feet on that ground. Um, you get to express the full range of motion of your toes and your feet and you just build a lot more strength and then you'll build up your ankle strength too. Like your, your resiliency, when you start sprinting, like there's a lot of research on that, man. You should just dig into it. Like I can send you some links. It's just crazy. Okay. Like the amount of, the amount of force production and strength and everything that it builds in is, I would say like if, if you could eliminate all other workouts and just do one to get like improved performance, it'd be sprinting. No, be man. Sprinting. Yeah. Well, dude, I'll tell you what. We are at the end of our time here today, Hells yeah. but uh, I'll tell you what, I, I want to continue this conversation. I think that you'd be a great one to have on the platform relatively regularly for fitness and, uh, and uh, being able to help educate. I'm sure that more of my listeners need a professional in this space, and I definitely don't consider myself one. Uh, you know, I do what I can and I feel like I know quite a bit about diet, nutrition, exercise, fitness, but I'm definitely don't consider myself to be an expert in that space. And, and somebody like yourself, it's obvious from, uh, what I've listened to on your platform and the amount of education and the science that goes into to what you're learning. Um, you know, that'd be a great thing for the listeners to be able to, to hear. And, and I appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today. Thanks, man. That'd be awesome. And like, I'm just an aggregate of, like I said earlier, I'm just an aggregate of, you know, the people that I surround myself with in, in the education space. It's the high quality people like Atia and Starrett and all these guys. And, you know, thankfully I have a education background, so I'm able to convey that probably in a little bit better package than, um, than others. And, and that's where I know like my, my strength lies. So I, I'd be happy to share more and go down any rabbit hole that uh, you want to go down in the future for sure. No, oh, absolutely. We're going to keep doing this, man. Thank you again. It's a pleasure finally getting to meet you. Yeah, buddy. And uh, we're going to hang out for a little while. We're getting ready to go down to lunch and uh, meet Ryan and Carlos. And uh, so it's going to be me and a ton of Canadians. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, uh, look at this. Yeah. So we're like deer ticks, man. We're not, we're not going anywhere, man. We're, we're, we're latching on and, uh, yeah, whether well, you like it or not. Well, there's, a, there's a fair bit of irony here because when I uh, met my wife, she's Canadian. No. Yeah, she's not you American. You with that? No, she's from British Columbia. Yeah, she grew up in Vancouver. I knew, I knew there was something. Yeah, right. I knew right? there was something. So it's like I, I get this weird thing and I like marry a Canadian out of nowhere. And then now all of a sudden I have all these Canadians in my life. Yeah, it's like, an energy. It's an energy. Like, it's the thing. It's Maple like, syrup-based, yeah. hockey. Yeah. So, you know, I've been working on my Canadian jokes for a few years now, so I'm I'm ready. Uh, all right. I'm all ready. Right. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and uh, shut it down for this episode. And, uh, man, hopefully you guys listening out there, make sure you go check out Dave Morrill's podcast. I'm going to have links to that in the description. And uh, go check out his content and information. I'll continue to share stuff as it comes along. But uh, there is quite a bit that we have to learn from this man. And I, I hopefully you guys enjoyed the content as much as I did today. Uh, so thank you again, sir. And uh, we look forward to working together in the future. Hells yeah. Thanks, man.